Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to Coast View. This, this show celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi a great place to live, work, and play. Today we're having a Coast View session with Geneva Vassar Dummer. She's a local entrepreneur and a community volunteer whose story about personal reinvention, I guess is really the way to say it, uh, should inspire anyone, but especially if you're a woman or a mother. Welcome to the studio, Geneva. Thanks. It's great to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I have really enjoyed you know, learning your story and, uh, and, and visiting before the show. We've never met until this morning. I love that. I love when, when we're, we're doing all this research through, you know, electronically sharing stuff <laughs> and then we meet here at the studio but you're you're so pleasant and uh you've got such a good story and i look forward to sharing it with everybody thank you you know we're, we're going to we're going to get into your unique journey because you you've really got a cool one and you, you really do mean it when you say you reinvented yourself along the way yeah that's what i do <laughs> <laughs> um but let's do this so people know about your company so you you own and have founded a company called the meeting place and I always like to say about entrepreneurs that they've got to have their elevator speech, you know, their little pitch that they give. So you and I are on the elevator right now. we got one floor. Give me your pitch. What's the, what's the meeting place? Well, it's a business incubator in downtown Biloxi. Offers Class A office space for people who like to keep more money in their business. Wow, that's pretty easy. <laughs> so what is, what is in, what's in it for me as a business owner beyond that? So... Tell me about that. Well, you have less overhead, but you also have people around you who kind of have the same entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. and they're there when you need them. But truly, it's not a chit-chatty place. It's more of a productivity center. Mm-hmm. This is a place where you go to answer those emails, get your work done, meet with your clients, meet with your employees, all in a setting that encourages people to be a little more professional. Uh, that's neat. That's that's really cool. You've uh, you've been you've had numerous accolades, and the one that really stuck out to me was that you got the first Small Business Leadership Award by the Gulf Coast Business Council and William Carey College of Business in 2019. I did. I was floored. To say the least, the list of people who were nominated for that award was mind-blowing. I still am not quite sure. But you're, you're an overwhelmingly humble person, I can tell. <laughs> but uh, but it, it is important. You know, I used to say we started the, the Sun-Herald Leadership Awards when I was the publisher of the Sun-Herald. And they're the one coast awards that you know, the Sun-Herald gave, gave that over to the chamber. And it, I always said to the, the you know, top 10 under 40 and the top 10 community leaders when we were recognized them, uh, that we're now going to hold them up as an example. You know, this opportunity for people to learn from their experience, whether it be something they did in the community or whether it's something they done, they've done in their business. And you were selected because you're an example. You're an example for a lot of people to, if you've got a great idea, go do it. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm sure you see that. My definition of an entrepreneur, yours is a little different, and you'll explain how, that is, how it's different. But my definition of an entrepreneur is someone who's kind of bet the ranch. And you didn't necessarily bet the ranch, and we'll come back to why you didn't. But you did as it relates to your idea. It, it did. You did as it relates to launching your idea and then making a go of it. Because, you, because your idea wasn't the kind of idea that would just be readily invested in 
by a bank or the SBA or whatever. But you've taken you've taken risks, and most entrepreneurs do do. So why is yours a little bit different? Well, I got lucky in the sense that I my husband already had an office. He's with, a lawyer. He is. Yeah. Um, Doomer Law Group. Um, he had some space that he wasn't using, and I asked him if he would indulge me in this crazy idea that people might pay to use the space that he wasn't using and have an environment in which they could expand their knowledge and um, expand their workforce. Mm-hmm. What's neat about your idea, and, and we'll, we're going to get to this, is that when you think about the sum total of your experience, you know, you were a scientist, you were in the Navy, you, obviously you're an entrepreneur, you um, were in HR at some point in your career. All these strategic planning, strategic initiatives, you've helped your husband start another business. you got all these things that are going on. But the sum total of them provide this opportunity for you to be able to be a really good resource. So, so the meeting places, you understand what small businesses need the opportunity for synergies to come together and what is really kind of an entrepreneurial environment is really a, a, a cool thing. It is. And we're going to talk more about that as we, as we go forward. One of the things I've really enjoyed about the show is that we are focusing on people who are trying to make or who are making a, a significant contribution to coastal Mississippi. They might, it might be through community leadership. It might be from running a business that employs a bunch of people. They could be a coast character. But an area that I really am profoundly interested in is entrepreneurship, because I th- w- one of the things I want to do is celebrate entrepreneurs. I want people to, in coastal Mississippi, no matter who you are, driving down your r- driving down the road now, listening on podcasts later, or you know watching on Facebook Live or YouTube Live, to have va- to see value in made in Mississippi or created in Mississippi, whether it's a business or whatever. I want to celebrate people who are doing that. And the last few weeks, I've had some great conversations. with uh, had, had one with a woman named Mimsy Ladner who started this company called Gachi Tea. She went all over the world studying ethical growth of tea you know, yes. and uh, started this company in Hancock County. And she has a great story to tell. And then two more that stick out, Mark Henderson, Started two oh, companies. For, I know Mark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Leslie. What a great conversation, man. Him and Leslie, you know, they started the first brewery in the state of Mississippi and Lazy Magnolia Brewing Company. But Mark is this like really sophisticated engineer and inventor, has a separate company over here designing sophisticated radar systems. What yeah. a, what a what an inspiring story they have. And then just one other. Um, last week I talked to Frank Willem. And Frank has the Willem Group now, started a new company. He could have rode off into the sunset yeah. because he and his two partners started Triton Systems, became the largest producer of ATMs in the country right out of Long Beach. Right. And uh, the fifth largest in the, in the world. There's so many incredible stories. Now, I, wonder, I want people to hear these stories. And uh, that, I think that's one of the reasons why this show is, is going to be important as we go forward. Um, but you've had an interesting journey. A really interesting journey. Where did, let's let's kind of start from the beginning. What um, where did you grow up? I grew up in Florida. Um, West Palm Beach is the town that everybody knows, but truly, I grew up in a little area called Green Acres. No joke. Yeah, cool. That's cool. Was <laughs> uh, it anything like it? No pitchforks. <laughs> no singing animals. Um, but it was just a regular neighborhood, dirt roads. Um, it's me and my dad and my mom and my brother 
mm-hmm. then it was just my mom and my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And um, dad was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was fine. He just had other things to do. Um, and still never had a doubt that he loved us. He was around. You know, we went and visited him on the weekends. It was not a bad thing. It just, yeah. that's the way it was. Yeah. So we we lived simply mm-hmm. um thankfully they had built the house before they got divorced so mm-hmm. we had that going for us and mom was an executive administrative assistant for years and years at uh, the palm beach post so, really? there yeah. you go. that's a good <laughs> nice connection to my world yeah. yeah so she she worked for one of the top three guys and then when they whittled down to one top guy she ended up going to the maintenance department and i think loved working there even more mm-hmm. she just really enjoyed helping people out and assisting mm-hmm. so she uh, she worked for a wonderful guy down there and spent all of her time working and if she wasn't working she really enjoyed dancing <laughs> so she would go um on the weekends when when we were with dad you know she would love to go out and dance with her friends and so that's what you know is that where some of your musical influence came from um well yeah she wasn't singing and dancing all the time or not singing all the time she yeah. was dancing all the time yeah. but she definitely appreciated good music and always encouraged us to my brother played the trumpet for a while you played um, the saxophone i did i played the saxophone <laughs> and the flute because yeah. uh, it was easy to carry (laughs) Um, and we had to walk a mile and a half um, to the bus station or bus Mm -hmm. stop and uh, you know carrying that saxophone got a little clunky Mm -hmm. after a Mm -hmm. while Um, so that was it was just normal growing up I mean just like hundreds of other kids so your story starts though and you end up going on a journey that eventually takes you to the Navy where you were for seven years and then came out of the Navy and went to school. But talk about the, the twists and turns in your life that ultimately brought you to the Navy. Well, so I started working as soon as I could at 14. I worked at Chick-fil-A. It was there a you wonderful go. job. Yeah. And um, then in my junior year, when I moved back home, I actually tried living with Dad and um, was there for a couple years and then moved back in with Mom. Um, my brother and I both did that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so... I think it was a nice break for mom, probably, too. (laughs) Um, So, worked at 14 at Chick-fil-A, and then uh, my junior year, I picked up um, Sunglass Hut and enjoyed working there in my little kiosk. You actually became quite a thing at Sunglass Hut, and at least it provided some opportunities for you to be able to transfer. It did. So, why don't we do this? Um, We're going into the break now, and we'll just kind of pick up with your... You know, your glass, sunglass hut experience and <laughs> how that ultimately you know, put, put you on the road in, in, in a very good way. So uh, this is uh, Geneva Vassardummer, who is the founder of The Meeting Place, an entrepreneur here in coastal Mississippi, um, humble but smart. And you'll see why as we continue to have this conversation. We'll be back after this break. It's a great time to be on the coast, and we love talking about it. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We have Geneva Vassar Doomer, not Dumber, Doomer, 
He's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a interesting. It's a German name, you said. It is. Yeah. So you know, pronunciation is probably something you have to deal with on a regular basis, just yes. because of the way it's spelled. <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah. So when we left, you were you were in Florida. Uh, had a wonderful childhood, as best I can tell. Uh, bounced a little bit around between your your father and your mother, and had a good relationship with both. I can tell. And you um, went to uh, Chick Fil A, and then to Sunglass Hut. I did pick it up from there. Working in a kiosk in the middle of the mall. Um, so once I graduated high school, I knew well. College really wasn't something that was offered to me. I was was offered a scholarship, um, but I worked more than I went to school. So mm-hmm. Florida had a 10-day rule. And if you were absent 10 days in a row, then you would lose your driver's license. Mm-hmm. So I would be absent nine days working both jobs most of those days. Um, and then I would go to work and I would get my assignments and take my tests and did fine um, A's and B's. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I enjoyed the work. I did not enjoy sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, thankfully, my teachers were not necessarily okay with it, but they were at least willing to help me succeed rather than try to tear me down. So, I did, um, and I did the extracurricular activities that, you know, uh, band and choir, and those were, I made sure I was there for those classes because you can't, can't yeah, miss right, those. Yeah, right, can't miss those. Yep. Um, but all the other stuff I could do when it when time was available to do and mm-hmm. still did fine in those but i was offered a scholarship to florida a&m and i wasn't quite sure what i would study and again the idea of sitting in a classroom instead of working was not totally appealing so i um didn't take the scholarship and just decided that i was going to be a student of life <laughs> so I, uh, I had a boyfriend who was from Texas, and he was going to have to give up his apartment. And I said, well, rather than break the lease, let me see if I can get a transfer to San Antonio, and I'll just go there. And thankfully, you've already found a great apartment. I'll live there, and you can do whatever you need to do, and this will be fine. Mm-hmm. So I got there. I, I asked for the transfer, got the transfer, and was working up toward... They wanted me to go to community college for business classes, and I'm, again, not quite sure about college, and um, never did do that, although in hindsight, I probably should have. It would have saved me a lot of time, (laughs) but I had some good times in the middle. Um, So after about a year of living in Texas and working at Olive Garden for food (laughs) and working um, at Sunglass Hut still... And the more they asked, the more I realized, okay, I need to find something that I'm going to do. This is not my end-all, be-all career. So I started looking at the military recruiters, um, and I wasn't all that interested in the Air Force for whatever reason, although in hindsight, I might have joined the Air Force now from a um, getting out and finding a job perspective. Mm-hmm. I feel like I maybe would have had, um, it would have been an easier transition, mm-hmm. but I haven't done it, so I don't know for sure. Um, I did end up going into the Navy. My dad was in the Navy. My grandpa was in the Navy. And uh, Marine Corps seemed a little too too much for me. And the Army, really didn't know much about that. But uh, the Navy seemed like a good fit. And I was going to sign up for two years just to see what it was all about because you know, I didn't know if I wanted to do it or not. And my recruiter saved my butt. He said, no, you cannot go in undesignated. You will hate your time in the military. Please don't do this. 
-hmm. sign up for four years, take the school, get a rate, and you'll be so much, this will be a much better experience for you. And he was so right. I can't thank the guy enough. I don't know where he is, but if I could, I'd hug his neck and tell him thank you so much. Um, so I ended up going to, uh, for lack of a better word, kind of a remedial math. <clears throat> I scored really high. Um, I got top scores and was actually, could have gone nuke if women had been allowed to be nuke mm -hmm. <laughs> at the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, my math scores were not top-notch. So I had to go to... Um, jobs, which was uh, jobs orientated basic skills. And from there, I knew that I was going to pick one of four rates. And I ended up choosing AT, which is avionics technician. My dad was an ET, which was electronics technician, which is basically what I did only on ships instead of planes. And went from jobs to AT school, and then from there to ABI school, which was uh, circuit board training. You learn how to work on um, circuit boards. And then I ended up getting my orders to an O-level school, which was boxes, not boards, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. So uh, enjoyed it, went and worked on P3s, spent my whole Navy career working on P3s, which thankfully were too big to land on ships. So I never had to go on a boat other than for a tour. We flew everywhere we needed to go, which was pretty fantastic. Mm. Um, Went to Diego Garcia, Atsugi, Japan, um, Masira Oman, um, just lots wow. of different it's all cultures. The world. Yeah. Hey, I'm curious when you were in, like, in electronics, were you literally soldering lands yep. and building boards? Yeah, I actually got yeah. an award. So yeah. my, um, my job wasn't necessarily to solder boards, but we mm. were in Masura. It was a very small Camp Snoopy situation. There was no eye-level support. Everything had to be sent out. So since I had the skills, we had two planes that were down for the same gripe. Um, both of them have radar issues, and it turned out to be the same box on the bigger box that was the problem. So I ended up taking parts from one and parts from the other and making one box that worked so at least one of the planes could get up. What a great way to learn about problem solving. Yeah. I mean, you, you were, your, your mind was being developed in so many different ways. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about yeah. a skill, a trade yeah. skill. Yeah, we've talked about that. You saw the interview with Mary Graham, and it's, it's come up time and time again. You know, college used to be about, you know, you got to go get first two years in community college and you go in to get your degree. But now today, you know, workforce training, the opportunity to learn specific skills might be the best route for most people to take. You're so and you've much. done both. You've <laughs> done both. You've learned the skill, and you've done the college. You know, you've gone on to get a master's or whatever, which we'll get to. But you, you've done both, and you see the clarity of both directions, don't you? The value in both directions, honestly. I mean, I wouldn't give up one or the other. I'm mm -hmm. glad I did all of it. Yeah. What a, what a great opportunity that was for you. So you traveled the world. Yeah, flew all around it, landed in some of it. <laughs> yeah. Why did you decide? I mean, so you stayed seven years. Why did you decide to get out? Well, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be schlepping toolboxes out to airplanes when I was 40 years old. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm going to have to eventually move into administrative part. And I was looking around at all the administrative options, and it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. Mm -hmm. uh, maintenance control was great, but it, it wasn't my end-all, be-all. I still was hanging on to an interest in science and medicine from when I was in school, and I thought, you know... I've got this GI Bill. 
Maybe I should go to Thank college. Thank goodness you had right? it, right? Thank goodness you had it. Well, so the GI Bill, it's interesting. It's, um, it's a wonderful thing to have. But what you find out when you go to college is the colleges want all their money up front. And the GI Bill is a monthly stipend. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily pay for college with the GI Bill you supplement your college existence with your GI Bill. And you can use it to pay back student loans. You still have to take out student loans or pay out of pocket up front, which I don't know many people who can do. Um, So the GI Bill was great, and I'm glad I had it. But I still worked two jobs while I was in college just because I don't sit still well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So how did you decide what you wanted to do in college? Well, I took my vocational knowledge and my interest in science and said what puts those two things together and i had noticed that in molecular microbiology there was a trend called bioinformatics that involved computers and electronics to help solve problems and i thought what a great way to put all of this together so and you know doubly useful as a lab tech because i can fix my own gear right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did you ever think it. for a second when you were working at you know Sunglass Hut in Florida that you would end up explaining to me on this show what you just explained? Oh, no idea. It's an incredible you know, series of events, isn't it? I'm still trying to figure out why anybody's even interested. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's um, so many people have interesting stories. I mean, I'm I'm just another person with a great opportunity. But what I love about your story is, first of all, you know, humility is an ing- a great virtue. But here's the thing. What's so cool about your story is that you did reinvent yourself every step along the way. And then the sum total of all of these experiences positions you to be a wonderful entrepreneur. I don't know what's in store for you next, but it is part of your story. And there are a lot of people out there that are like midway through their story and they're not sure what they're going to do there they keep facing these like forks in the road in their lives and they need someone to tell them it's okay to push forward it's okay to take that choice it's okay to take that risk yeah it is apply a little dog of determination and just go do it just really just go do it bill holmes and my conversation was just so great the conversation we had a lot of great stories but he just kept saying, "If you just if you want to do something, just go do it. Go go to college. Go to trade school. Go just make that decision to move. Just right. do it. That's why your story is so important because every step of the way, you just decided you're going to do it, and uh, and it evolved, and one well, thing led to another. So let's do this. When we come back from the from the break, we're, we'll talk about what happened next, and uh, and what ultimately sort of presented the opportunity for you but before you did you ended up getting a master's degree and you were doing research in genes <laughs> my goodness we'll be back after this after this break with uh, uh, Geneva Vassar Dumer <laughs> he's the former president and publisher of the Sun Herald and now he's on the radio Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We have Geneva Vassar Doomer. Not Dumber, Doomer. It's a <laughs> German name. Interesting spelled D U M M E R. And uh, we're having a wonderful conversation about the different twists and terms, turns in her life. And uh, so, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of pick it up from here. So, you. You 
just continue on. You went back to school, and then what, what happened after that? Okay, so we're combining the trade that I had learned with new knowledge now, um, and I also added a minor in computer science because I could see that that was going to be an important part of this, not just knowing how to fix things, but knowing how to operate them. So put all of those together, uh, progressed, uh, worked. I was an um, optician. You had to be board certified at the time, so I went and got board certified, and I did that. And then I got a job with the USDA in one of the labs there and a fantastic mentor. Um, loved working with her, uh, Miss Barbara Delay. She's wonderful to work with, taught me so much. Um, and, of course, you, know, you have to learn the ropes in a lab just like anything else. And so I started out making all the reagents and doing – um, all of the little things, and then eventually uh, worked my way up to pulling salivary glands out of mosquitoes, which is not as easy as you might think. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> they look like little ear, uh, clear palm trees, if yeah. you were ever interested, yeah. and you had yeah. to pull them out with tweezers. Yeah. You had to be able to tell the boys from the girls. Uh, but that was interesting, so not everybody can say they can do that. Mm -hmm. um, only with a microscope. Yeah. Can't do it with my bare eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we were working on vesicular stomatitis virus, uh, which is something we were in Wyoming. So that brings in the cow composition there. And uh, it was an ag college. And so that's why we were researching that. USDA, um, Arthropod Born Research Development Lab. So Avidrill. Um, after I graduated, um, so Sorry, I have to back up just a little bit. A year before I graduated, Stephen graduated. Mm -hmm. um, I had met Stephen when we were both stationed in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. uh, figured I would never see him again after we left the island. We'd go our separate ways, and that would be that. But he kept calling. <laughs> and then he came and he visited um, while I was home in Florida. And he said, you know, you can go to college. And I said, I don't know. I don't have enough money. I, they've got the GI Bill, but I still, you know, I don't have, I don't have any money. I got to save up. He said, dude, you don't know. That's not how this works. So he educated me on how that works and asked me to come up to Wyoming. I had never seen snow in my entire little life up until we moved to Wyoming and um, learned how to drive in it. I had a Mustang, <laughs> a manual Mustang with rear wheel drive in snow. Which did not move anywhere until it's we had snow tires. It's a beautiful place, one of my favorite places of, uh, uh, in the country. But late spring, summer is a time to go there. Right, absolutely. <laughs> so for three months, it's great. The rest of the time, it snows. So he was finishing up his uh, criminal justice associates, and then he got a full ride to the state university, mm -hmm. the only one, University of Wyoming. And we moved there. And that's where I majored in molecular biology and had the lab experience and the um, optician experience and all of that. So he graduated, proposed mm -hmm. when I graduated, mm -hmm. um, but he went off to law school. And I said, look, uh, the only thing I ask is please don't make me live where it snows again. I got one more year here without you mm -hmm. <laughs> in this snow stuff. And please just don't make me do that again. So he, um, he looked at colleges that were below the Mason-Dixon line, basically, where it doesn't snow, and picked the highest tier, most cost-effective one, which ended up being Ole Miss. So mm -hmm. he got his law degree at Ole Miss. He was working on that. That's where my son went. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So what kind of law does he practice? Uh, real estate, banking, and other. Wow, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so after I graduated, I was looking around at what you know, I wanted to go to graduate school. Ole Miss didn't really have what I was looking for. I was interested in gene therapy. Um, I had 
really wanted to work in that field. The only place nearby was University of Tennessee. So there's a College of Graduate Health Sciences in Memphis. I applied for their PhD program, and it's the only place that I applied. The only, you know, when I set my mind on something, that's yeah. what I'm going for. Yeah. So I got in and commenced my PhD studies, and it really enjoyed it. Again, another wonderful mentor. We got to rotate, so I worked at St. Jude for a little bit, and I worked um, in a couple of different labs, an immunology lab. Um, ended up going into um, Dr. Lorraine Albritton's lab, another fabulous mentor. We had so many she and I just worked really well together. Our ideas would bounce off of each other, and it was just a great collaboration. I never felt talked down to, or it was, she was a very empowering woman. Um, so we spent a lot of time working with um, Maloney murine leukemia virus, which was a mouse virus. And our goal was to turn it into a virus that infected human cells so that it could be used for um, for cancer therapy. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay, you have to pick one cancer. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, geez. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I picked breast cancer and mm -hmm. we looked at targeting cells that have breast cancer. And there's a long story around that. But at the end of the day, my job was to break something that she had already established worked. Mm -hmm. And so by breaking it, I mean, I had to see how big of a thing I could put into this gap. And um, I I broke it, but some of it worked. So mm -hmm. we added some flexibility that she had theorized yeah. would work, and yeah. it did. It allowed everything to fold the way it would, and the little lock and key mechanism worked. So we um, we worked well together, and we did that. And then Stephen started looking around at where he was going to work. He was entertaining job offers. It was doing his internships, and he narrowed it down between working in Jackson, which would have been great, for both of us, but it was a big city, yeah, and we weren't sure about that. Mm -hmm. And then we also looked down here. Yeah. He had a job offer with um, Alan Cobb Hood and Atkinson. So Mr. Harry Allen, mm -hmm. a mentor yeah. for my right. husband, is fantastic. Right. Yeah, good. Um, great lawyer. Yes, um, and that whole team was was mm -hmm. a wonderful growth opportunity for him and a great first place. So I'm glad we made the decision decision that we did. But I looked around and said, you know. It's not a whole lot for science down there. Um, I could commute to New Orleans. Plus, you learned the lifestyle was. Yeah, well, the lifestyle yeah. here is more like in Florida. I'm talking about the up. seven days a week doing research. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. There yeah. are no yeah. holidays, no birthdays, yeah. no days off. You're on cell time. Mm -hmm. And cell time is very demanding time. It's mm -hmm. like having infants all right. the time. Right. Um, so you have to take good care of them and you really should be there watching them. It's not conducive to, and I did commute yeah. um, while I was in grad school. So I knew that it was much better to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just decided, you know, I think I think we're just going to work on something else for a while. Just get down there. I, I can't not work. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the girls at Stevens Law Firm said, you know, there's an opportunity for an HR director out where I live. And I said, okay, uh, let me dust this resume off and see what kind of skills I have that can apply to what HR directors are supposed to do. And it turned out what they really wanted was somebody to kind of reorganize the mm -hmm. department mm -hmm. and um, stand up when when things needed to be stood up for and um, and help make things run a little more smoothly. What's interesting about HR directors today, I always put a lot of confidence in the HR directors that worked for me in my career, is that they, they no longer were the personnel department, just, you know, accounting for people 
they were a strategic partner in the company. I mean, really important that they were aligning resources with the strategic initiatives of the company. Yes. Sounds like that's what they wanted you to do. And an interesting way, it sort of draws on your organizational skills that you'd learned up to this point in your and life. And problem-solving skills. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's cool. Yep. So you did, how long did you do that? Um, I did that for two, three years. I moved here in 2008, and my son was born in 2010. Um, and so it was about two and a half years. And you started the meeting place when? 2016 officially, but it's on the books, 2012, because I had the vision, but I didn't have the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I started the business and worked as a virtual assistant. But in, in between there, I also picked up bookkeeping for this car lot that my husband had bought. <laughs> Bless it. Um, fantastic learning experience. Yes. But uh, boy, that was a hot mess yeah (laughs) (laughs) would not recommend a used car lot to anyone so at what point did you how did you decide that you were going to bring all these experiences together in this vision that you had well i was working at home and i picked up a new client heritage trails partnership was really interested in the work they were doing and the president needed some administrative help and i'm good at that stuff Mm -hmm. so um we worked together really well great man with big vision and the whole board of directors just had a wonderful vision for the coast that i'm privileged to still carry on today Mm -hmm. the meeting place however came from me wishing that i could get some dang work done yeah right (laughs) you needed you needed a place to go sit quietly and do your thing i wasn't ready to send my son off to daycare just yet Mm -hmm. um he couldn't talk yet i was nervous about him not being able to tell me about things that happened in daycare um, we ended up luckily with a great daycare, but um, it was nerve wracking. And I wanted to wait until he could speak before I could send him to daycare. Mm-hmm. And so that also meant that we spent a lot of time struggling for each other's attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he deserved every minute of it. I mm-hmm. love playing with the guy, and he, you know, would help me file and do whatever he could. But um, at the end of the day, I still needed to focus on certain things. I tried hiring a sitter. And that did not work out because he still knew that I was there. So, so. let's let's do this, uh, Geneva. When we come back, I'm curious. Well, it's been a wonderful journey, and we, people get to see how all the pieces fit together. What we'll do when we come back, we're, I want to talk about where the meeting place is today, and then what advice do you have for for young people and, and old people alike who might be wanting to go do their business? And you know, how, how, what should they do next? This is Geneva Vassar Doomer. Uh, And we'll be back after this break. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. This is Ricky Matthews, and I have Geneva Vassa Doomer with me. She's the founder of The Meeting Place. And it's been a great conversation because it's her life has a bunch of twists and turns. And the thing that she and I were talking about during the break is that, you know, everyone has twists and turns. Everyone has an accumulation of experiences and some of them act on them entrepreneurially and some of them don't. Some of them won't to. And we're going to we're going to uh, turn uh, here in just a second and, and talk about advice that, that Geneva might have for for you. If you've got ideas that you really want to act on. But before we do that, what's the status of the meeting place today, 
Geneva. Meeting place is going really well. Um, all of my private offices are you, full. You ran your husband off. <laughs> yeah. So it was his building originally and my crazy idea to just lease out the common space. And now he has his own building on Howard Avenue with the second floor that he's considering letting me operate as another meeting so you're thinking place. About, so you're not, you expanded with into his office space, which caused him to buy a new building. And now you're thinking about expanding further. <laughs> we are. We're thinking about expanding further. And honestly, my 10 to 15 year plan is much larger than mm. what I have now. It's just it wasn't obtainable because of the lack of funding available. But it incorporates uh, corporate offices, partnerships with larger corporations, much larger corporations, as well as small business and entrepreneurs. But um, it also has a daycare Mm -hmm. in the front. So Mm -hmm. we've had daycare on site and people, businesses can offer that as a benefit to their employees during the time the kids are in daycare. What a great, what a great idea. But you have over 20 customers now that are clients that are, that are some are like private offices, some are doing shared space. Explain that. Uh, well, it's, it's just a mix of all different membership levels. So mm-hmm. it's not a lease, it's a membership like a gym, only instead of working out, you're working. <laughs> That's so interesting. (laughs) Well, it allows some flexibility on both sides. Uh, There's key code entry. I'm not tied to the desk, um, which is also great for me. Um, But it's uh, it's really just going well, and I think we're ready to expand. I've had several people approach me. They want to build buildings and have me operate out of there, and I just haven't I haven't worked up the franchise. I'm not sure what way to go about doing that let me ask you a question so did you did you find a best practice somewhere in america that you that you tried to copy or did you just literally grow this thing from scratch well in true me fashion what i did was looked around at what was working and combined it in a way that i thought it would work here on the coast so co-working is not new it's happening worldwide it's mm-hmm. something that that's very interesting all over the world um, but people don't pay to co-work here mm-hmm. they have you can buy a big enough house to have an office yes, in it. You yes. don't need to co-work necessarily yeah. here. But what people don't have is the means to necessarily go out and buy and decorate and um, and make a Class A office space. Okay, so let's do this. Let's shift gears. And in the final few minutes that we have, let's talk to that person who's had these experiences in their lives. They have an idea. They want to. It might be they want to launch a product. It might be they want to start a business. I don't know what it is, and they're and they're hearing this journey that you've been on and said, you know what? That sounds like my journey. Right. I, I mean, sound, there's nothing unique about Geneva. Just had a lot of different experiences that she added up into this idea called the meeting place. So, what advice do you have to them? Okay. Well, first, never give up. Um, second, look at the skills you have and see how you can apply those to what you want. Because you can't just decide you want something and have no skills to do it. You have to either amass the skills or have them. Mm-hmm. So work toward your goal. Don't just work at your goal. Does that make, mm-hmm. make sense? It does. It does. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day who said, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they may have a great idea and the ability to talk about the idea, but they don't know anything about HR. They don't know anything about starting a business and all that. Yeah. How do you, how do you, what, what's your advice to them? Well, learn, honestly. Yeah. Don't turn down a learning opportunity and, and take that crappy job. You know, that crappy job is going to teach you something. I'm sorry if I can't say that. You can. <laughs> you can. We've all had crappy jobs. Right. But those <laughs> jobs teach you something. And if nothing else, they teach you what you don't want. So explore it all. Do as much as you can when you can. Not everybody can afford to go start 
you know, billion dollar company, you got to work up to it. Like in my case, there was zero funding for what I wanted to do, but I got lucky. I saw an opportunity in my husband's empty space and said, hey, I got this crazy idea. Let me try this. And he mm-hmm. said, all right. And now it, it's doing better than I think even he thought it would do. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, a, what a great story. Um, but dogged determination, you know, you know, be honest about yourself. Yes. Assess yourself and where you need help. Figure out how you can get it. Maybe you need a mentor. Maybe there's a job, a specific job you need to go do. Right. Maybe there's something you need to do in college. Some people go to college, and they and they should. If you're in college and you're not sure what it is, but you have something you're interested in, maybe you should turn around and go to trade school. Somebody's in trade school probably should finish, and you may have some opportunities to go to college. But right. you've done it both. You, you've 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 got to be willing to to be a little bit of putty and right. just let yourself be shaped. Well, and you got to work. I mean, yeah. going into business is not easy, and it's not less work than working. There are plenty of times where I wish I had that nine to five, where yeah. I could just go in and go home and not have to worry about operations or anything else. It is not easy to run your own business. There's a lot that goes along with it. As one of my first and most important mentors said, uh, Bobby Nichols, a, a guy that really kind of changed my life early in my life when I worked for Mississippi Power Company, said, "You have to be willing to burn the midnight oil. Yes. You have to be willing to burn the midnight oil." And too many people want an 8-to-5 job. So if you want an 8-to-5 job and you want to be successful, you're probably not going to be successful. you got to be willing to burn the midnight oil. Well, you'll be successful running somebody else's business. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. It's and, all right. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, Geneva, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate it. You've got a, you've got a great story. You've got a cool journey. <laughs> Uh, I wish you all the success in the world in your business. It's going to be fun watching it because you've, in a lot of ways, you've just begun. You're learning how to start and foster and grow a business. What's next for you? It'll be interesting to watch that. Uh, I hope you have a great day. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.